Now it's time for a bit of role reversal. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going well to well as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off. It's a DNF for MAX. The world championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world. Cheeky, what's that about? Yeah, that's <laughs> what the roll with it. Oh, dear. Why are we reversing right. roles? What that was trying to hint at is that yeah. normally when it comes to races in Formula 1 we have two Mercedes yeah. and one Red Bull however for those oh. who have watched this and heard about this Mexican Grand Prix there were in fact two Red Bulls that finished rather it. well and um, one Mercedes being toyed with shall we say by um, the power that is yes. Christian Horner and co I like but, um, it because it was you had to explain it and so it was deep yeah it was <laughs> okay all Red right. Bull well. played the Una reverse uh, this weekend mm-hmm. it seemed mm-hmm. absolutely it was, yes I, I thought I enjoyed it. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was good. Mm. Everyone, well, yeah. just quickly, actually, before we kick into the two subjects, I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter saying that people thought it was boring. Nope. Please elaborate. I didn't think it was that boring. I, I mentioned actually this to Tom um, um, did. a few minutes ago that it seems like the biggest criticism is that it was a really boring race because Verstappen went off into the lead. And the only reason people are finding it quite interesting is because, effectively, we got to watch Mercedes sink their own ship. Um, <laughs> and and I kind of get where they're coming from. And actually, I think the novelty factor of watching Mercedes, is, uh, you know, yet again, kind of screw over Bottas, was funny. But also, we have to bear in mind that there was that race between Hamilton and Perez, and that kept me on the edge of my seat for ages. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can see it both ways, but I was pretty entertained by it. But maybe that's just the novelty of, uh, <laughs> you know, the old switcheroo as uh, mm. we had now have had with Red Bull being dominant. Yeah, I really enjoyed this Grand Prix. I think the whole weekend, really, because Saturday, of course, you had the two Mercedes at the front. A 1-2 the first time we've seen this in what feels like forever. Then you got the Red Bulls behind them in third and fourth. And you sort of thought, well... Unless there's going to be something really seismic that happens early on, this is going to be a Mercedes lockout as per normal when it comes to Mexico. And, um, you know, the game's back on in terms of Hamilton versus uh, Verstappen. So it's once again a chance for Sergio Perez and Red Bull to really show their worth. And I think their former driver, Danny Rick, was really the, the kingmaker when he sort of tapped very slightly uh, Valtteri Bottas and spun him round. And then it was right, okay, as I said at the start, two Red Bulls. Uh, one Mercedes, now they've got to go and execute their opportunity. And that they did, I think, in terms of pit stops. And um, it was nice to see sort of Mercedes floundering a bit because we've not seen that in what feels like close to a decade. I think it's worth noting as well that even without Ricardo uh, catching Bottas, Max was literally in the lead at the end of turn one, like right, before right. turn one, even before they, you know anything had happened to the two Mercedes or either of the Mercedes the the way that they they were three wide down down the straight head leading into turn one I was like oh my god <laughs> um, mm. it was so exciting and I couldn't believe the difference how much later he was breaking and he just seemed to have it didn't like when looking at it you wouldn't think oh that he's going to be able to go into first from there from where the angle that he was at he did it like th- for me that was the first thing where I was like oh my god like this this is like going to be good because I was not you know I thought he might be able to get into second but from third 
to mm. be in the lead and i think someone did mention as well that the third was like the best place to be in from the start which i didn't fully understand until we witnessed it happen but and then obviously as you say the incident with ricardo and bottas then obviously made things even more complicated and then easier for red bull going forward but even without that incident i think that you know max max was already into into p1 so it was more almost a matter of the incident helping um sergio uh maybe more than it did max well, let's not forget afterwards, Toto Wolff even said that Red Bull were running rings around them. Hamilton came onto the radio and said, these guys are too fast for us, man. And Bottas <laughs> had an 11-second pit stop, uh, followed <laughs> by a five-second extended pit stop at the end of the race. Um, one of those luckily was on purpose, but um, the 11-second wasn't, and they nearly did a Monaco 2.0. They yet again couldn't get his wheel off properly because it, it seemed to have machined itself on there i don't know maybe for lewis hamilton's going around with a little bit of super glue and putting it in the inside of the uh the, <laughs> the, the wheel nuts every time they put it on but it's it's bizarre that it keeps happening yeah, to bottas but you're right yeah. Liv. third place was a really good place to start uh, he got a double toe effectively from the mercedes and perez did a good job of keeping out of trouble as well let's not forget that he put the pressure mm -hmm. on hamilton later on but if you go back and watch that start, you're absolutely right. It, Bottas breaks first in the middle. Lewis Hamilton then breaks slightly later. It seems like Hamilton says, well, whenever you can let break, I can you know, break slightly later. And then Verstappen <laughs> goes, bye, and yeah. just flies past um, and slams on the brake. It was incredible to see that that amount of difference. It kind of reminded me of the, like Ricardo's energy in that car um, mm -hmm. with his late braking prowess. It was an absolutely phenomenal start. But I'm interested to see what you guys think about whether or not Bottas lost it I saw a lot of criticism including what felt like from Mercedes of Bottas's opening Toto for example said that he was heartbroken to see you know, Bottas spinning around and it made it sound like it was Bottas who effectively lost his his at the start and then got hit and that was his fault and also it seems like um Twitter is seems to be saying that Bottas got off the wrong, you know, off the line and failed to uh, cut cover Hamilton and got on the dirty side of the track, and it's all his fault. But maybe he might Classic. be a bit more sympathetic. Well, are you? I am. I am. Yeah, I'm not too sure what else Valtteri Bottas could have done there. Really, I mean, he had a good start. Hamilton was next to him, so you know, it wasn't one of those where he had a really slow one. You know, there's always the case to say, oh yes, he should have been a lot quicker when it comes to the initial start. But we all know that Valtteri Bottas does not have a great track record uh, starting races, initially getting off the grid. But he was there or thereabouts with, you know, Hamilton and Verstappen, which I think is one of those where when you've got somebody in a Mercedes car, we almost lose sight of how difficult it is to keep up with Lewis Hamilton and now Max Verstappen. And I think the fact that he was able to out-qualify both of them on Saturday and do rather well and win that race... Um, a number of races ago is you know plaudits to him in that regard but i think it's one of those where bottas is almost viewed now as armor for hamilton he's not viewed as a, a driver or a man of his own volition he's viewed as basically an extension of lewis hamilton's defense mechanism and i'm not too sure what else he could have done there because 
you can watch all the replays you want. Ricardo breaks far too late, locks up, taps Bottas ever so slightly, and that spins him round. I'm not too sure what else people wanted Bottas to do in terms of uh, not spin round because you know that's out of his control when it comes to uh, to that point. So I think it's just another sort of classic Bottas bashing, really, which I know we all sort of uh, fall foul of at times. But in this regard, I think really you're sort of I don't know trying to make up things which aren't fair and didn't really happen in in all honesty yeah i would agree <laughs> um i think that bottas has made mistakes in the past and i think that there has been recently can you talk about the sort of bottas bashing you know there has been uh, circumstances in recent races where he hasn't been his best and he's you know made some decisions where etc not as racist as his um like his defensive uh driving has been poor etc however i think in this situation yeah there was just incidents at turn one like there's always going to be incidents people were talking in advance of the race that there was probably going to be incidents at turn one because of how competitive the grid was you know how the the four main cars were lined up together and yeah i i think that it could have been anyone and it could have been perez like that would have been devastating Mm. for the fans but it thankfully um for 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 his fans and for him and his very enthusiastic father they (laughs) that wasn't him (laughs) and instead you know it happened to be bottas but yeah, I don't think anything it was anything he did wrong necessarily in this situation. And same for Ricardo, really. Like it is just chaos at that at that corner, and he wasn't penalised in any way. So it shows that it was just a racing incident. And it's worth mentioning as well that there was <laughs> there were other incidents on that on that corner um, at the start of the race. I loved how Alonso caused two cars, two youngsters to just like fly up in the air next to him and he just carried on as if nothing had happened. His car was fine. <laughs> like yeah. meanwhile they both had to retire. Like Mick and Yuki flew off of his uh front tires and um off he went, continued and it was like old man coming through. Um <laughs> and um that I found that quite interesting. Obviously once I was aware that both drivers were okay. But it was a shame to see those two um retire. But yeah, going back to the front um nothing on Bottas for me it was unfortunate and I think it was it was quite crucial in the result because you know would Bottas have um, stopped Perez from having his third place potentially um so it is important for Red Bull that that happened but you know it just it is what it is for him I think I'm also more sympathetic towards Bottas I think it's it's a bit naive of us to or as a as the F1 community to start blaming him for for actually what I think was a quite a smart cover, um, and to be fair, I think he also released Hamilton a little bit as well, which mm. is the team player sort of move there, um, and no one expected Verstappen to go around the outside because that's how it was. It was Verstappen on the outside, and that's a bizarre you know <laughs> move. Everyone expected him to go up, you know, perhaps the middle of them. And so Bottas goes to the outside and covers him off and kind of releases Hamilton and, you know, and ended up getting punished for it by no fault of his own. I think that's unfortunate. So perhaps I think the, the F1 community is a bit harsh on, on Bottas. And he, you know, he's a, as you say, Tom, he did a fantastic job on, on Saturday. I love the fact he got the Fangio Award, if you've seen that. Oh, yeah, did you yeah. see how many how many class. Fangio Awards does, does Lewis Hamilton have? None. <laughs> Verstappen? Absolutely. None. None. How many Fangio Awards does Bottas have? The one and only. Mm. The Fangio Award, by the way, if you, if you didn't see, was a little leather old racing cap and goggles. He put it on, he looks a bit like Crazy Frog. Um, which <laughs> was quite entertaining to see. So that was Happy Bottas, um, a mere you know, 12 hours before his fate would be sealed. Yeah, and what do we make about Lewis Hamilton's comments that time's running out for him now that Red Bull are ultimately 
optimizing their own engines and excelling, accelerating ahead uh, of Mercedes when it comes to this race and races previously as well because it's been a long time since we've seen two Red Bull drivers be up there uh, on the podium consistently and um, this was where it really counted didn't it because it once again as I say is an opportunity for them to execute that and when you looked at uh, Red Bull's pit, uh, pit stops uh, 2.2 seconds 2.3 seconds meanwhile Hamilton's was 2.4 so it really is all about I suppose uh, the, the finer details and um, and the finer margins when it comes to these sort of things but also is this a sign that maybe the uh, the tables are turning and there's a, a change in the tide in terms of dominance when it comes to the constructors at least uh, to be honest I think that it, it may still go back and forth a little bit which is exciting like in my opinion I don't think it's going to be plain sailing now um, why would it be? This is a, such a competitive year. Um, I think that, you know, Lewis is going to have his moments of genius and Max is going to have his moments of genius and the teams are going to have incredible strategies. And I think it's going to be exciting and I hope that it goes right to the end. To be I want I want to see a decider in <laughs> the final round. I, I was looking back through the races and it seems bizarre to me that it looks like something like Azerbaijan has really thrown the season into what it is now. If you imagine... Mm. Hamilton had got that that win and Verstappen retired then actually we would see that it would be um Hamilton still with the points advantage just but um he would have those 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 points so I don't think we can discount anything yet um it's been a it's been a season that has twisted and turned um both drivers have have made mistakes other people have have seemed to have influenced this season a lot Let's not forget that Verstappen had two DNFs in a row. Um, but at the same time, Hamilton didn't get his, his season plain sailing either. I mean, he crashed out with Verstappen at one point, which I think is, is we you know forget that feels so long ago now that um, they had mm. that Monza disaster. But it's there. Um, so I don't think perhaps we, we can say that Mercedes have no longer got their dominance. Red Bull were always going to do very well at uh, Mexico because of their, their engine uh, optimization, their, their overall package. We did see that Toto Wolf and Bottas said that Mercedes had made gains on optimizing their engine, but it was always going to be an uphill struggle. In fact, we said that in the last se- in the last podcast. So well done us for predicting that correctly even if we didn't quite get the uh the, the podium um prediction correct but i think whatever happened this weekend red bull were going to catch them perez had caught hamilton by the end the the poor pit stops um for bottas it you know had already you know sealed his fate and i think if they hadn't of caught him on the track they would have just overtaken them in the, in the pit stop so i don't think we can extract too much from this race other than Mercedes still don't do great at high altitudes. Um, so we're going to Brazil next. We think it's going to be another Red Bull optimised track. And, well, that that kind of leaves us with, with two races after that. Let's not forget that if, if at the end of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, if Max Verstappen has 26 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton then that will be it. That'll be the season over. So we are getting down close to the wire, but we're now getting into the races that will make or break the the championship. Neither driver can afford to have a DNF now. 
can you imagine if it like comes down to like the tiniest little thing like i honestly can't even like i'm, I'm excited yeah. but i'm also i'm also worried because i just know it's that like the f1 world is just going to go into absolute turmoil like there's going to be such a <laughs> divide i feel like in a way we're quite in, in a nice position that i i kind of feel in the middle as long as it's close and it's exciting like i don't really mind who wins like i've said in previous episodes if it had been a lewis domination the entire year then i would have been like Pfft. but I, at, <laughs> at this point i don't care if lewis wins good on him because he's worked for it this he's earned it oh, this yeah. year so i don't mind mm, who wins mm. this year um but as, as long as it's close and it's going to be it's going to be and I'm, I'm really excited and imagine if it does come down to literally like the smallest thing or something that maybe like yeah. the, the sprint quality quali this weekend in brazil which maybe we could briefly mention at the end of this podcast like what we're gonna what we're thinking about it but mm-hmm. i oh i don't even know what to expect but i'm excited <laughs> It's it's quite insane how this championship could get decided by the fastest lap. We saw Valtteri Bottas pitting in mm-hmm. the sort of twilight stages of this lap of this race to ultimately take the point away from uh, Max Verstappen. And you know, you may just think to yourself, "Ah, oh, point to point." Um, what's that going to do to anything when you consider that the gap between uh, Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen is the biggest it's ever been, I believe, since the season began, standing at just over fifteen points. But um, as we say, yes, every point does matter. And it's quite remarkable to think that two new additions to the F1 world, the fastest lap points, and then the points that come in from sprint qualifying, granted there's only one sort of uh, sprint qualifying left, could ultimately swing it one way or the other. Yeah, and actually that's perhaps some why there's some controversy surrounding the fastest lap at the moment. Um, and one point does absolutely matter. I draw your attention to the Constructors' Championship, as it is right now, yeah. a week before the brazilian grand prix there is one point between mercedes and red bull so the singular point really does you know mean all or nothing sometimes and that's that's i think troubling some people when it when they're looking at the sprint races when they're looking at the the fastest lap whether or not we should make or break a, a championship um over something like a fastest lap which you might argue is a little bit arbitrary so i'd like to move us i think to this controversy surrounding it which effectively this um this week was verstappen had the fastest lap point in the bag until bottas was pitted bear in mind he was way outside the points at this point um and Mercedes decided to chuck him onto some some a new pair of, of scrub softs. They release him, by the way, into Max Verstappen, <laughs> which was a, a bit of a bad choice because there was a really weird moment when he he overtakes Verstappen and then immediately gets blue flagged to um, yeah. to get re overtaken by Verstappen, and Verstappen basically then cuts. Bottas is um, fastest lap short, so he doesn't get it. And so Mercedes go, all right, then we've got one more lap. Fine, we'll bring him in again. And this time we'll hold him for five seconds. So they bring him in, hold him for five seconds, put a new pair of softs and allow him then. And bear in mind at this point, he's in what, 16th, 17th place. Um, mm-hmm. Bear in mind, we've had a couple of retirees. Anyway, send him back out. And lo and behold, he gets the fastest lap. A 117, by the way. It was an absolutely cracking lap. It showed mm-hmm. really how fast Bottas was there. But he gets this fastest lap and takes it away from, from Verstappen. And so the question is, should the person outside a top 10 be able to remove the point from 
the person with fastest lap uh, if they themselves can't actually score the point. Yes, I, th- I think they should. Um, because I think it's one of those where it offers an opportunity for the lower down teams to take a gamble and to um, try something a bit different with the hope and knowing full well that they could get themselves a singular point. And when we look down at the sort of lower echelons of uh, the Constructors' Championship, it is incredibly tight down between your Hasses, um, your Alfa Romeos, your Williams, for example. Granted, now it's sort of between uh, 10, 11 or so points, but... Um, if you were to go and add in the prospect that now and again, you know, you could have a rather rubbish uh, race, but still uh, get a point, shall we say, from uh, the fastest lap, then that offers a sort of new incentive and a new sort of element of hope when it comes to the lower teams. Do I think that the lower down teams looking down from sort of Alpine to Hass are going to get the fastest lap? No. But the reality is that um, there may be one or two sort of freak incidences or um, unlikely scenarios where that does happen. And then you've got teams going away going, oh, OK, well, there are opportunities for points at said circuit, regardless of what happens in terms of, I suppose, the actual race itself, in terms of the order, in terms of who gets 10th and then uh, above and below that. I think if I, I think I'm correct in the sense that but you, they only get the point right if they're in the top 10. So... I think that if that's the case, I kind of, I do kind of agree with you, Tristan, in the sense that I think that the point should definitely be taken by someone if they achieve their, you know, they should get it and it should be allowed to be taken off someone else. But I don't know if it should be taken off someone who wouldn't even use the point, if that makes sense. Like it's just, it's just a waste of a point then because no one gets it. So I think that if they're inside the top 10, they can take it from whoever had it previously, obviously. But I do kind of see what you mean that if they're outside the top 10, they're not going to get it so why should it be taken off the person in the top 10 who's who's kind of earned it uh, it is a difficult one um and i think it's something that obviously they people have brought up and it might be discussed ahead of next season but it i, I kind of get what you're saying tom but at the same time I, as you as you kind of alluded to the the lower teams aren't going to get it anyway so all it really is at the moment is kind of if one of the big teams has an absolute disaster and they're running at the back, they can use it to manipulate the results from the top, which you could say, you know, makes it exciting more about strategy, you know, but um, Bottas being really down at the back shouldn't have an advantage. There shouldn't be an advantage of having your driver at the back, you know, out of the tech, being able to steal a point, you know, that it should be earn i don't know it's i haven't really concluded anything here but i that's kind of where my thought process is going what do you think tristan (laughs) well there's no harm in actually the 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 point being up for grabs from any team to set fastest that's what i mean yeah Yeah. Um, so even if they're not in the top 10 yeah yeah that's what i was alluding to yeah yeah that's my point yeah i'd be up for that (laughs) yeah i i I find it bizarre that they have this weird weird like oh you you can't can't have it if if you, you you don't get into the top 10 which is weird mm. because it does FIA it, it doesn't matter if you set the fastest lap if you're 10th or 20th it's still the fastest lap it's like I don't yeah. I don't know yeah. why like the fastest lap suddenly becomes ooh amazing uh, you know if, <laughs> if you're in the top 10 or otherwise it's like well congratulations we'll clap for you but no, no points um so I, I think we're in this really weird thing at the moment where anyone can take it away but in doing so, you don't get any benefit. So yeah. no one's going to take it away. Because why mm. would you, if you were, let's say, Ferrari, and you're running in 
14th place by you know because something happened why would you you know compromise your your race to try and get that uh, extra point or, or if you're a williams for example and you're in 11th place why would you you know go for the fastest lap i think it would open up the strategy far more if if you said right well anyone can have fastest lap so we'd you know we'd get to like the, the final few laps and everyone would be like right when is everyone going to go for this fastest lap? Are they going to wait for track evolution? Are they going to wait for traffic? Mm. It would add a new dilemma um, to the strategies. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird situation with fastest lap. I don't know why it's, it's as I said, I don't know why it's it's only limited to the top 10. I think it should be open for anyone. And that might solve all these controversies. Because then Bottas would have mm. got a point, a little consolation point, uh, to go with mm. his Fangio uh, trophy. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. And I don't really understand why you've got large swathes of uh, fans of the community going against uh, the fastest lap point, i.e. wanting to sort of take it out. I mean, granted, of course, it'll be hugely controversial if, let's say, Verstappen or Hamilton slowly down in 8th, ninth, or 10th gets the fastest lap, then somehow, by hook or by crook, gets the championship. But we're not in that scenario at the moment. And I question people who go, oh, well, uh, if there was a fastest lap point in 2008, then um, uh, Massa would have won that championship. So, well, yeah, but that's, that's done. That's history. There's no point looking back at things and reevaluating it by what we have today. I think it's a, a good element of progress and change that comes with the sport. Granted, all progress and additions aren't necessarily good. Let's look at the sprint qualifying for, for an example of that. But um, I think, yeah, extend it all the way down, as I alluded to earlier, and then give those lower down teams the chance to have a good day at the office from what ordinarily would be a rather indifferent one. Sounds like we've agreed. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> well done, everyone. Weird. And a team or drivers that could have very much done with this fastest lap point are the drivers of McLaren, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Not a great race, really, for those two drivers. Of course, Ricciardo having an awful start, ploughing in to Bottas. And um, yeah, from then on out, it was really questionable about whether he would get points. Finished in 12th. Meanwhile, Lando Norris in 10th, which ordinarily is an OK result. But I think that um, when we look at Lando Norris and when we consider how well he did, uh, or nearly did, should I say, at Sochi. Since then, he has plateaued a bit, and in its place has come two storming Ferrari drivers in Leclerc and Sainz. Yes, there was the controversy, of course, regarding the team orders. Um, Leclerc to begrudgingly, I think, uh, let pass who he deems as the second driver of the team. But um, very good results for Ferrari, and we consider now what that does to the championship. There is quite a well sizable gap in many ways between ferrari and mclaren considering that we all largely thought that um mclaren had it done and dusted in terms of grabbing third place but um with uh four or five lap uh, races to go mm, mclaren have really got to have a big weekend in uh, sao paulo don't you think they do and this has been a bit of a sad week i suppose for us mclaren fans they eh, live yeah. <laughs> um to be honest it... 13 and a half points isn't that much of a of a of a delta he says optimistically um, <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, it feels like ever so long ago that we had that high when mclaren you know do you remember when mclaren got two on the podium one two hey yeah mm. um but they've, they've got a bit to go but actually i th- i think you are a little bit pessimistic there um all we need is is one Ferrari to fail to, to cross the finish line and you've already made up half that difference. 
um or thereabouts I, I i know it might need a big weekend to make up in one go but with four four races left um and with 13 and a half points i don't think it's necessarily that uh that crazy to say that that, McLa- that mclaren um can, can catch back up let's not forget that it was only in the last race um of the 2020 season that uh racing point as they were then lost out to mclaren so everything can 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 change so quickly so when we're talking about the constructors let's not forget there's two drivers there yes they they had a pretty appalling um race weekend i was hoping for for more i suppose but it, it just didn't work out their their way I mean, ricardo kind of messed up his own um his own race by hitting the back of um bottas and and, and causing his it, the problems there and to me norris was kind of nowhere to be seen and in 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 limbo land and i felt like the problem with mexico is is it can be a bit like a procession the the chances to overtake are basically on the start finish straight and that's about it and given that the mclaren was down on power because of a mercedes engine they just weren't going to get anywhere and it was a bit unfortunate I, i hardly saw them actually on the live broadcast um, apart from the analysis of whether or not Ricardo should have got a penalty, so <laughs> that it, it, they were, they were just in in limbo land. It was the same with Williams. The the whole race was dominated by Red Bull and Ferrari. And to be fair, Ferrari prancing horses, absolutely great. If you're a Ferrari fan, you should you know rightfully be rejoicing. They they've actually made a a blinder of a comeback this year, especially after the disaster of their you know the old engine scandal. Shh, we're not allowed mm. to talk about that. Um, <laughs> um, so. Yeah, as a McLaren fan, it pains me. But hey, it is something quite cool about seeing Ferrari doing a bit better. They are so iconic and legendary. But, you know, my team in orange, they need to just (laughs) pick themselves up a bit. I think um, with McLaren, I I kind of thought that they'd already really accepted that this was going to be like not not their best race um, from their attitudes leading in and their interviews and stuff. And obviously they, they chose this to be the weekend for Lando to take his penalty, his engine penalty. So they clearly you know, they were accepting of the fact that this was probably the race that they weren't going to perform in anyway. So let's make sure he has a good new engine and without a penalty in the next couple of races that are so paramount. Um, so yeah, they were accepting, which means I, I kind of didn't have my hopes up. <laughs> um, and I thought perhaps he might be able to do something pretty cool from the back. And obviously going up to 10th is okay, but there were a couple of retirements and stuff. So, you know, he maybe he could have done a little bit better. So with Lando and obviously Danny Rick... The thing with Daniel is that he he gives everything 110. He's such a sort of aggressive racer that it's either going to go really, really well, <laughs> and which it sometimes does, and obviously we've seen it happen, or it goes wrong, and then that's kind of it, really. They, they, he was never going to be timid into turn one, and so there was one, there was two outcomes, and unfortunately it was the other one, and then the rest of the race, as you say, just got in Bottas's way quite a lot and, <laughs> and things like that. But generally, yeah. If, it wasn't their weekend. I'm I'm not like super, super worried because as you as you said, Tristan, there's so much that can happen in the constructor championship because of how many points are on offer. It could happen right up to the end. So you know, it's we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But you're absolutely right. Like we need to you know give some credit to to Ferrari. They they're having a really really good time right now. When you think back at how we were talking about these two teams not even that long ago. Um, they they've made some significant improvements. They're they're working very well as a team. You know that we saw the. 
the team uh, team orders in place a couple of times and there wasn't really uh, any drama attached so yeah i think i think it's pretty good and it's nice to see two obviously really really talented drivers working well together and scoring some good points but i'm still hopeful that mclaren might might be, <laughs> might be able to snatch it we'll see we hold our hope yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite remarkable thinking back to the French Grand Prix. We had Ferrari in 11th and 16th. Meanwhile, McLaren were 5th and 6th. And one would think to themselves, well, maybe that's it in terms of the fight between those two teams. But um, I think, yeah, since Monza, uh, you're hard placed to argue that McLaren have done as nearly as well as they ordinarily would do uh, prior to that compared to uh, Ferrari. Aside from Ferrari getting that 15th place of uh, Charles Leclerc, when they also got a third place, uh, in Sochi with Carlos Sainz, they have been remarkably consistent. I think that's the real sort of a positive ace in the hole they have um, when it comes to the next four races. You always see, as you saw in Mexico, the two Ferrari drivers being neck and neck in many different ways, team orders on this occasion, but always being very close in terms of where they are and where they finish. And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but... You've got a scenario now with McLaren where you've got Lando Norris, who's done an excellent job so far, slightly tailored off, as I hinted at at the start, and Daniel Ricciardo, which the highs are high. Fantastic, yes. But the lows are mm, quite low when you consider that he's quite rarely been in the points recently um, in, in terms of the last four races. Two times he's been out of the points, um, if we're looking back. So... I don't know. I, I fear for McLaren and so far that the gap isn't insurmountable, but the consistency they have is lacking when it comes to both their drivers. And as we saw it this weekend, you need both drivers to be up there to uh, to get the golden goose, if that makes sense. Also, I think it's worth just pointing out two other individuals, both for sort of negative reasons and positive reasons. Firstly, Pierre Gasly, the legend, Qualified yeah. in fifth, finishing fourth, solid. You know, what a drive from him. He's, he never lets us down, really. Like, we've said so many positive things about him time after time. And, I'm yeah, I'm really, really happy to see him performing so well. And, you know, if if, if you could have a second, like, no disrespect to Yuki, he's this his rookie year, but if you could have a second driver like Pierre in the Alpha Tari, like, he could really threaten for P3 and the constructors, like, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Congrats to Pierre. And then on the other on the other hand, I just wanted to point out the shocker for Antonio Giovinazzi. And I've seen quite a lot of people saying that, because obviously we're still waiting to hear about that second seat. I, there's a lot of people saying really? that that's it now, he's gone now, because the way he was talking and his attitude and his disappointment with the team and is not, he wasn't hiding his disappointment with the team. People think it's a done deal that he is not going to be there next year, which is a sh- it's a shame. It is. Did you hear what he said on the radio afterwards? He said, um, "No." He, he, well, afterwards he went, uh, "Thanks for the the really great strategy, guys." Yeah, like sarcastic. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, to be fair, I agree. I think I think this is a it's sign gone. that he's gone. They, I think he might be. So I, I heard something that they might be announcing the the proper lineup, whoever that second seat is going to be yeah. after Brazil, like the Tuesday or Wednesday after Brazil. So, and we'll cover finally. it. <laughs> we'll be waiting. Finally, so we're ready for that, and then we'll finally understand this whole 2022 grid. But um. I think, yeah, just worth noting those two, one amazing performance and one not so great. But let's point out it wasn't entirely Antonio's fault, but it may, yeah. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, we've had the highs and lows of Mexico. And as we head towards Brazil, as we're deep within the um, triple header now, thank you, big thank you to everyone who, who makes it work. I can't, can't imagine doing this three weeks in a row, but it's a, it's a huge effort to, to keep the show going on week mm. after week. But as we head to, to Brazil, to Sao Paulo, supposedly a Red Bull... Um, 
dominant location. What what are your predictions going into this week, just to round off the podcast? I think it's going to be another Max Verstappen win. I think Hamilton will be second. And I think third will go to Leclerc. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think um, Max is on this sort of absolute power. You know, he's on a roll right now. And I think that from what I think I know it it is expected to be more of a Red Bull track Um, but you know I I genuinely think like I said this other I genuinely think that nothing is set in certain like anything could happen I really genuinely think that like Bottas went and got pole position in Brazil like who the hell knows what's going to happen you know I'd love to see Lando get another (laughs) pole position or someone like that but (laughs) realistically I'm thinking you're absolutely right Tom I think that we can expect to see Max up there I'm not 100% sure whether we'll continue to see Sergio there quite to the extent that we did like this weekend just because this was a very special weekend and I'm not saying that that was why he was there but he's not always consistently on the podium as as, uh, others are Um, and I think that as I'm not convinced that there's going to be a Ferrari right up there, but I don't know who would be there instead. Maybe a Pierre, a Pierre Gasly, or one of the McLarens. But um, yeah, I know. But we shall see. We shall see. Tristan, what do you think? Do you just you probably disagree with me, don't you? <laughs> no, I think I think you're you're you're, you're kind of right. I mean, yeah. Brazil often throws some surprises. I'd mm. just quickly like to draw your attention to the result for 2019. By the way, if this result went down now, it'd be absolutely crazy. Yeah. One for Stappen, two Gasly, three Sainz, four Raikkonen, Ooh. five Giovinazzi, six Ricardo, oh seven Hamilton. But so, did you say Giovinazzi was fifth? <laughs> Giovinazzi, yeah, was Alfa Romeo in fourth and fifth at all. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Scenes. It was a it was a pretty crazy race. To I be want honest. a crazy race. Um, that was the 2019 one. I might go back and rewatch that actually. Yeah. Um, so Brazil often throws up some some crazy races, um, and and could as you say you know be the the, the deal breaker really for for um, Red Bull um, and especially Max Verstappen. Opportunities I suppose mm. are, are now coming to to technically not but practically uh, take the title, and and I can see that um, many are predicting Max will. My my personal opinion, I think it's going to be Verstappen one. I would mm. like Hamilton two, um, Perez three, Bottas four. I would mm. like the result to be Hamilton one, Perez yeah. two, Bottas three, Verstappen four, um, and then I'd very much like McLaren to yeah. be uh, up there as well. But from a fan's perspective, I want to draw this season out <laughs> to the very end yeah. because Abu Dhabi has spent so long restructuring their track and it is done now. So um, yeah, let's 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 see. But it would be great if Hamilton could win this one um, and rec- reclaim some of those points. I also would quite like to see Hamilton win it because again, it just makes it more exciting. So, uh, it's so boring to say that it would be Maxwell Lewis, but... <laughs> It yeah, probably be Max Lewis, and, and 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 you know, if it's not, then I'll be delighted because it will be. It might mean that something exciting has happened and fantastic. But it, we are super lucky when you think about it. You know, this season. Oh yeah. We're, I'd, with the fact we're just going into it, like who the hell's gonna win? Like this is so exciting. So I'm um, not sure my heart could have taken five years of this. Though. And, and, <laughs> true. But yeah. All good things come to those who wait, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a way to end the current rules as well. Uh, just when the things mm. are getting good, the FI decides yeah. to throw it all up into <laughs> the air again. But hey, you know, as you say, all good things must come to an end. Yeah. And talking about good things that must unfortunately come to an end, this episode is drawing to a close. And we look forward now to the 12th of November when the Brazilian Grand Prix will be kicking off and such a key one for so many teams. We'll be back next week to discuss that result and, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe, we'll finally get that second Alfa Romeo seat. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.